Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, and it is turning out to be one beautiful day in Alaska. Man, it is sunny and uh, probably 55 degrees today. Hopefully it gets up to the 60s, 70s, but we'll see. Uh, if you're joining in with us today, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, and I also want to thank our show sponsor, Gungerstein for Senate, for sponsoring the Must Read Alaska show. Because of her sponsorship, we are able to get conservative news through all the nooks and crannies of Alaska, which is very exciting for us. You can go check out her uh, page. She's running for U.S. Senate. Just Google Gungerstein for Senate. She'll pop up. She, she did an interview with us maybe about a month or so ago. She's a nonpartisan candidate uh, that's pro-energy and kind of uh, has a couple things to say about how Joe Biden's not doing a great job so far as our president. So very interesting candidate. You'll want to check her out. Uh, but without further ado, we have a special guest today, Assemblymember Jesse Bjorkman. Jesse, welcome to the Must Read Alaska show. Well, thanks, John. It's great to be here. And it is a beautiful day on the central Kenai Peninsula. The sun is shining and uh, lots of cool looking moisture on the grass that the sun's hitting and making it look absolutely fantastic outside today. Yeah, it's uh, the the dew is watering my lawn, so I'm a happy camper. So Absolutely. Um, so uh, interesting tidbit of the fact for the day is Jesse and I are literally neighbors. So we're probably sitting, you know, a hundred yards from each other on Zoom, which is pretty funny. So, <laughs> so Jesse, uh, for folks who don't know, uh, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what brought you and your family up to Alaska. Absolutely, John. So I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan in a community very much like the communities here on the Central Kenai Peninsula. A very friendly community that we're all surrounded by with lots of people who are always willing to give a smile and wave or a helping hand when folks need it. And that's one of the great things that I love about the Central Kenai Peninsula and the folks here is that we're all about community and, and helping one another out. So I moved to Alaska in 2009, uh, right after I got out of school and uh, took a job teaching at Nikiski Middle High School. And this will be my 14th year teaching there. I really love that profession and love education and really teaching kids history and government the way that it should be, um, the right way. And those things are important to me to make sure that we're staying true to our history and true to a government that's based on the Constitution as it was written. And I think that's really what the neighborhoods and communities here on the Central Kenai Peninsula count on and what they expect out of schools. And I'm glad to play an important part in doing that and providing that excellent education. So I love it here in Alaska. I love the outdoors. I love getting out and recreating with my family. I have a beautiful wife, Jamie, and we've been married for 13 years and we have two kids. Uh, Blake is seven and Brenna is three. And we always uh, are getting out and having some great adventures. Blake and I had an awesome day fishing out on the boat yesterday and uh, looking forward to many other adventures coming up here this fall. That's awesome. So one of the cool things that you do, I don't know if you do this every year, but you'll get a chance to tell us a little bit about it, is this moose hunt, which is now kind of 
famous or <laughs> famous around the globe. Um, you called me up. I still remember you called me up. I don't know. It's in, in you know before the moose hunt, and I get a anytime you get a phone call from a teacher that says, "Hey, does your daughter want to go on a moose hunt with us?" You you pretty much say yes every time. And uh, so tell us about this moose hunt that you go on. What does it look like? Who came up with the idea? And why do you think it got so much national attention this year as it made it all the way to the New York Times? Sure. Yeah. So the moose hunt really is a project that stems out of uh, outdoor education class that I started together with another teacher of mine, Dylan Hooper at Nikiski Middle High School. And this outdoor education class uh, teaches kids all about outdoor safety and survival skills that kids can use for the rest of their lives. Uh, very simple skills like knot tying and land navigation, cold weather safety and cold water safety, and, and what to do if you find yourself lost out somewhere. And those types of skills, kids love learning. They love learning kind of those hands-on things that they can go out and use and playing with their friends in a fort in the backyard, or they can use when they're camping or on a, on a much bigger kind of adventurous trip. So the educational moose hunt is really a part of that class, but separate as a non-school activity that uses a lot of those same skills that kids learn in school to execute that moose hunt. And one of the great things that happens is that kids really are in charge of directing the hunt as much as they possibly can. We try to get kids in on the planning and have them take ownership of part of the hunt, whether that is using a pair of binoculars to spot a moose or making sure that that moose that we're looking at is a legal animal to harvest under the conditions of the permit that we have, making sure that if, if it is a cow moose, that that cow moose doesn't have any calf with it. All of those things are really a, an important part that kids are proud to do on the educational moose hunt. Um, Educational moose hunts aren't new um, in this area. They first were started by uh, fishing game biologists Ted Spraker and Larry Smith about 30 years ago, and they have been doing those with different groups. We're able to partner with our local chapter of Safari Club International to work on these, these moose hunts as well, and volunteers from our local Safari Club board uh, will help out with the moose hunt. But why it really got so much attention this year is we've, we've had articles in the local papers before covering the moose hunt. Um, back when the readout reporter was around, they did a nice story on, on our experiences with students on the moose hunt, as well as I think the Clarion did a story as well. Um, but uh, a reporter at the Times who kind of grew up in the area and was now working for the food desk at the New York Times heard about the moose hunt and she asked if she could come along together with photographer Ash Adams, Victoria Peterson, came along and shadowed our moose hunt and shadowed the kids processing the moose as well, turning that moose into all kinds of good stuff that you might recognize from your own refrigerator, hamburger and steaks and sausage and all kinds of great stuff. And, and the kids really enjoyed that process. And I think they took pride in the fact that people from so far away were very interested in what it was that they were doing. And the story in the New York Times got typical kind of response from some East Coast people, but it got way more support. It got really amazingly positive reviews from people out there that were excited to see kids out learning these types of hands-on skills. Oh yeah, definitely. I think that was the overwhelming theme of 
folks is even I shared it with, you know, I shared it with my parents who then shared it with their kind of network of friends that live in the Midwest. And the the general resounding theme was, oh, my gosh, I wish more schools thought of doing this for kids because we, we might live in a much better place if we still taught this right. kind of stuff. Yep. And that, and that type of thing goes throughout a lot of other aspects of what we do in K-12 education as well. Having more opportunities for hands-on experience is something that is essential for a balanced education. Yes, reading, writing, and math are important, but some of the things that hook kids in to participating more fully in those core academic areas are other tactile, other physical things that they can do that's going to interest them in other school things as well. So I'm excited to have programs like that and others moving forward. Well, that's awesome. So um, you've been in the uh, Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly now for, I think, around three years. Um, have you enjoyed it? And kind of uh, what are a couple things that you've been proud that you've been able to accomplish or looking forward to accomplishing in, in your three years? Absolutely. Well, th yeah, thanks. That's a great question. I have enjoyed my time on the Borough Assembly for the last three years quite a bit. We've been able to accomplish a number of things through that uh, work on the assembly. One of the things that I'm most proud of, John, is the comprehensive election security change that we made to borough code to really beef up our election code at the borough and to ensure that our elections are secure and they're safe and they're fair and that votes get counted correctly and that poll watchers and people who want to observe the testing of ballot counting machines are able to do that in public and that they're invited to do that. And so that was something that I viewed as essential to making sure that we had good, safe and secure elections here in the Kenai Peninsula Borough. Some of the changes that we made, I mentioned that if people are interested in the ballot counters, if they're interested in those tabulators, they can watch them be tested um, with a known result stack of ballots. They know the result, they can hand count them and then they run through the vote tabulator and then that is a test comes out with the number and the number that of the test ballots needs to match the number that they hand count. And so the public is able to watch and observe that. And then they sign the, the seal once those machines are, are tested and locked up. And then there's a clear chain of custody for ballots and ballot tabulators and all of the election materials so that the voters know where those materials were and who is responsible for them. Another thing that we did was we strengthened the signature requirement for ballots um, that are filled out for borough elections. And we made a number of other changes as well to make sure that nothing is connected to the internet, to make sure that everything is secure and on the up and up. I worked with Assemblymember Bill Elam on part of this legislation, which really resulted in an audit or an inspection of all of our election equipment and systems to make sure that it was as secure as possible. And the results came back on that study very favorably. And I'm glad moving forward that the voters of the Kenai Peninsula can trust their elections here in the Kenai Peninsula borough. Well, we're blessed to have uh, our, our clerk runs our elections very smoothly, probably a lot more smoothly than a lot of boroughs out there. And, uh, you know, the Anchorage uh, elections seem to be in the news every fifth Tuesday. <laughs> and right. It's if you're not making the news as a clerk, you're doing a good job. And yes, and uh, I think that she's done an awesome job. So walk us through a little bit about. So let's say you're you're a resident in the Kenai Peninsula Borough, and you just heard this 
for the first time, let's say, and you're like, oh, I could go watch the ballot counting or I could be the somebody who's in there as they're processing the machines. Is there a process for them to sign up for something like that? How does one go about right. going and watching that? Yep. The easiest way where people can learn about more about being a poll watcher or view the testing of the ballot tabulators is to call the clerk's office. It's 907. Uh, let me look that number up. I haven't, I haven't <laughs> called it out for, for, a, for a minute, so I'll get that number for you. Um, but <clears throat> I just don't want to say the wrong number, but call the clerk. And Johnny Blankenship does an amazing job. And once you get a hold of her, she will walk you through the process and figure out exactly what you're interested in doing, whether it's a vote tabulator machine or uh, being a poll watcher. And she'll set you up. Johnny's amazing to work with. And, and so is Michelle Turner, the deputy clerk. And they do they do do an excellent job at getting our borough elections squared away. Yeah. And you could even if folks are interested, I believe they still hire folks part time during the yes. actual election to go work the various you know, major polling stations. And I think they've been, you know, shorthanded the last couple of years. So if you're looking to be a part of the elections and make a couple bucks, <laughs> there's no better way to do it than that. Give yep. give the clerk's it, office a call. Yep. Clerk's office number is 907-714-2160. Find all the information you need there at 714-2160. Yeah. And, you know, folks, elections elections like you know watching the election process and you know that can get heated the thing that i've always encouraged folks to do is just be respectful if you see something if you're in there watching and you don't see something you like bring it to light in a respectful way you don't want to have a microphone screaming at people nobody's going to listen so um, figure out a way to do it and be respectful and you'll nine times out of ten you'll at least be listened to and you might even uh, have a chance of you know, finding out that it goes your way. Hard to do that when you're yellow now. So um, my next question to you, this is, uh, is Jesse. So you're running for the Senate now uh, uh, against Tuckerman Babcock, a seat that uh, Senate President uh, Peter Machicki had. I think he's um, he's been in there for a little while and decided not to run. Uh, what made you decide to run and how's your campaign going? Well, I really have decided to run for the state legislature because I really believe that I can do a great job at representing working families on the Kenai Peninsula. You know, I am not a career politician. I'm not someone with a lot of uh, political baggage or, or other things that are attached to me. But what I am is a dad who wants to make a difference. I'm a, I'm a person who wants to get in there and solve our state's problems in a way that works for working people. And I think that's really what's been lacking is there have been a lot of arguments and fights back and forth about what to do with things like the dividend or other policy issues. But what gets lost in all of that is what happens to working people here on the Kenai Peninsula who are trying to build meaningful and worthwhile lives for themselves. And those people deserve a fair shake from government. Those people deserve a government that works for them and not just for special interests, not just for career politicians, not just for people who want to continue to increase their inf influence and authority over others. We need legislators in the legislature who are willing to do the hard work for the people that work here in Alaska. And we can't continue to plow through tomorrows and expect different results, Sean. 
And that's really why I'm, I'm running. If we continue to elect career politicians, if we continue to elect these people with the same old tired saws of ideas of, of what they promised to do, and we know that we, they can't deliver, we're going to continue to have gridlock in the legislature. I want to cut through that and get the job done so that we can have fiscal stability and certainty in this state so that we can have roads that are well-built and well-maintained. We can have troopers that keep our communities as safe as possible, and they come when they're called. We have prisons that keep bad guys locked up when they should be. And then we need to have schools that are open and accountable and responsive to their communities. So that's really what it's about for me, John, is those first four priorities right there. Fiscal stability, well-built roads, high-impact public safety, and schools that are open and accountable and, and responsive to the needs of their neighborhoods. Nice. So, our, our, you know, you're currently an elected assembly person. Has, does your campaign look any different because you're, you know, you're already an elected official? And do you still plan on running for the assembly if you don't win or if you, you know, are running for both? How does that work? I, I know that sure. folks have asked me and I, and I don't really know how to answer it outside of just call Jesse and he'll probably tell you yeah. how, what he's doing. <laughs> no, that's always a great, great idea. Yeah, it's fascinating, you know, being in a campaign before in this campaign, you learn things about yourself that you didn't know before. That's a nice way to say that you kind of find things out that that maybe are true or not true. Um, the best way to cut through all of that is to call me. My personal cell phone number is 907-394-6796. And that's posted all over the internet. It's not, not a secret. I don't mind if people call me. Um, I will get back to you and I'll, I'll call you and be happy to talk about any state issue. But my campaign for state Senate is going really well, John. We're gaining a lot of momentum and picking up a lot of support from all kinds of people across the Kenai Peninsula that are interested in seeing things move forward toward completion and to seeing a government that works for working people. Um, my campaign as a sitting assembly member means that I have to take some time away from campaigning to work on assembly issues and go to assembly meetings. And, and that's fine. Um, being an assembly member, you know, certainly is not a full time job, but it is a, you know, a responsibility that I take seriously and want to get things done for people of this borough and the people of Nikiski that I represent. Um, going forward, I, it is my intention to run for the assembly seat. Uh, concurrently with the Senate seat. And what how that would work is uh, if and, and when I win both races, I would resign my assembly seat and then there would be a special election by the people of Nikiski to fill that seat. Sounds good. Well, I think you cleared that up for folks. And uh, like I've said, I just pointed them your way if they asked. So hopefully that's the right thing to do. Yeah, um, absolutely. So one of the things I think that people also ask me is, um, your connection to uh, the school union. I think folks are, you know, they they see that that you're a teacher and that you're, you know, you're pro-life and you're pro-guns and all that kind of stuff, which they're excited about. But they they get a little freaked out with you with your perceived. Uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but with your perceived connection to school unions, you were, I believe, you were one of the negotiators for um, the school union when it came to. Um, contracts over the last several cycles. What are your thoughts on that? What do you say to folks as they approach you with those that particular question? And is it true? Are you still connected to the um, to the union in a leadership way? Well, thanks for that question, John. Nope, I am not connected to 
any union in a leadership way. I haven't been um, since before my time on the assembly. Um, and, you know, it, as a teacher's association kind of moves forward, unfortunately for them, I think they've lost their way on a few issues. Uh, one of the things that I took pride in, in my involvement in the teachers association here was that I fought against a lot of the liberal ideology that many of the other people that are active in the teachers association put forward. And certainly I fought against that as an assembly member, as a teacher and a dad, when it came to COVID closures of schools and all kinds of COVID protocol that were absolutely ridiculous and, and unnecessary. And uh, we, were, we were moderately successful in doing that because of the amount of parents that stood up with me and many others to get our schools back open. We were open long before other districts in the state that chose to close down. And uh, parents of this community and, and other folks deserve a lot of credit for being on board with making sure that our, our students could get back to school as soon as possible. Um, other things that kind of are interesting, you know, is as we move forward and look at the role of unions or having right to work and, and whatever, what's important to me, John, is that people have the right to speak freely. They have the right to assemble and kind of associate with the people that they want to. And those constitutional freedoms that are guaranteed to us by the First Amendment, they are important to me. And going forward, that's something that, that I would like to focus on as well. But just because a group gives me money or that I was part of a group, that doesn't mean that they give me orders about what to do. They don't tell me what to do. I am true to my principles and I am going to advocate for the interests of this district on the Kenai Peninsula first and always, because those are the people that I work for. I work for the voters. I don't work for any special interest group. In fact, my involvement in a union has made me very effective at combating some of the stuff that they like to do and that voters don't like them to do. Um, you, you might know this, John, and, and but probably some of your listeners don't, but I was instrumental in actually stopping a teacher strike here on the Kenai Peninsula in 2019 and making sure that that really bad outcome didn't happen. And we got to a resolution on a contract so that kids could go to school, so that kids could go to school and not miss out on educational opportunities. And I was instrumental in doing that. So if folks want someone that is skilled at fighting special interests and getting results instead of just constant fights and, and making enemies, they're going to vote for Jesse Bjorkman because that's what he wants to do. So how can somebody find your campaign? What's your website, uh, Facebook, uh, all that kind of jazz? If, if somebody's listening here and wants to get in contact with your campaign. Yeah, great. Yep. So like I said uh, at the top there, John, my personal cell phone number is 907-394. 6796. Folks can feel free to call me anytime. You can find me on Facebook at Jesse Bjorkman for State Senate or at jessebjorkman.com. Find a website there with a little bit about myself as well as some of the things that, that I stand for and believe in. Um, you know, it's, it's very important that we move forward as a state and that we bring the Kenai Peninsula prosperously in, into the future with a government that works for working people. We need fiscal stability. We need roads that are well-built and well-maintained. We need troopers that come when you call them. And we need schools that are successful and accountable at matching the content and character of their communities. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Assemblymember Jesse Bjorkman, for joining us here on the Must Read Alaska Show. Um, and uh, for those of you 
interested. We're going to have some, uh, I got some more guests. I got a, a candidate that's up in the Valley that's going to be on the show tomorrow, 9 a.m. And then I have a potential special guest on Friday. Um, this or yesterday evening, I shared with everybody the winner of the Girl in Alaska swag giveaway. Uh, she's an Instagram star here in Alaska. I had her on last week. She's kind of a travel expert and uh, she's starting her own line of swag gear for her own brand, which has literally reaches millions of people every week. And we did a giveaway. We had probably 1300 folks enter in to win, to win this giveaway. And Kevin Hall, you are the winner. So I found you on Facebook already, but I just wanted to share with everybody who won again in case they're catching it for the first time here. Uh, Kevin is a very active commenter on Must Read Alaska and very other uh, pages on in Alaska. And he is not anonymous and does not hide behind fake Facebook pictures. And he is a hoot to watch in the comment thread. So uh, Kevin, congratulations for winning. And uh, for folks uh, that use a smartphone, Android or Apple phone, you can get our Must Read Alaska app and the Must Read Alaska. Um, just type in Must Read Alaska in the App Store if you're on a Google phone or an Apple phone. It pops right up. It's free. We put a lot of time, money, resources into that app, and it's free for you. So don't forget to download that and give us a good review if you like it. Until next time from somewhere in Alaska, I'm John Quick signing off. We hope you have a marvelous uh, day on the Kenai Peninsula or wherever else you're at here in Alaska.